Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay Jury, jury Daily.com. Nailed it. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Jury Daily Podcast. My name is Justin Robert Young, and I do it on the daily. Ah, it's hot. God damn, still fucking hot out here in Oakland. Son of a bitch. It's hot out here. I know, I'm just saying, it's hot too. Ugh. I was reading, have you guys heard about this Queeby? Quibby? Queeby? Quibby, quib, quibby, quab, quab, quib, quib, quab. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but apparently it's like not artificially shortened 10 minute versions of a larger movie, but they're like chapters. So kind of like they're basically sort of like episode breaks on a traditional television station. So you're writing everything to kind of end in sort of like 10 to 15 minute breaks because normally that's where commercials would go. So anyway, it's this new service. It's going to launch soon, but it's got a lot of big names to it. And the biggest name that came out was the fact that Steven Spielberg is going to be doing a horror franchise or movie. He's writing it, I guess, which is weird because he's not particularly known for his writing. He just works with really good writers. Anyway. Here's the big catch with Steven Spielberg because he's, you know, for for a guy that wants to protect the sanctity of uh, the holy altar of celluloid that everybody should be going to see a movie. I mean, now he's working with Apple and working with Quibi. But anyway, I, I guess that's kind of a cheap shot. Here's what Steven Spielberg wants to do. He wants to write these horror movies, see? But then, then... He wants to make sure that you can only watch it at night. Spooky. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. It'll know the the Quibi will know when sunset is. And then once the sun is completely set, the app will then allow you to play the Spielberg show. But then there'll be a countdown so, like, let's say you're working uh, the graveyard shift, right? And then you come back from, uh, you get off at, let's say, three or four. Well, I, I, I hope to hope to God you get back in time or you're watching it while you're driving because, God forbid, the sun comes up. Well, then you and Nosferatu are going to have something in common, my guy. It's over. Yeah. You're not going to be able to watch it because if the sun's up, then Spielberg show eight. Now, 
I kind of have a love-hate relationship with these uh, online distribution models because we have we have a couple shows that we're watching right now, me and Ash. Handmaid's Tale, Good Omens, watching both those. But it's like Netflix kind of... I, I don't want to say ruined it because ruined it makes it seem like it's bad because like whenever there's a show like Handmaid's Tale, I watch and sometimes I get frustrated with it and I'm like, no, I want to go watch... All of it now, just because I want to be done with it. I just want to be like, be like oh, God, all right, this episode was kind of annoying, but I just kind of want to keep going. I want to keep watching it. And then sometimes there'll be like a Netflix show where, like, uh, Russian Doll, for example. Russian Doll, I kind of feel like that's a show that if it were released week by week, if it were on HBO, then there would be Westworld style crazy fan theories there'd be gigantic super uh, uh reddit boards but you you really don't have that opportunity because you're releasing it all at once so everybody kind of sees by the end of it you know there's always some people i feel like this community should have a name the i binged it all last night folks i i, I don't I don't know. Lonely? I mean, I don't, I don't want to sign anything. I mean, because people have all sorts of different reasons for watching 12 hours of television in one setting. But like, you know, there's always going to be those people. And those are the people that would be your like Reddit hardcores. They would be the ones doing the like, hey, I've rewatched episode three 50 times. And now I've noticed all these details. Because like Russian Doll is a show that to me is... As interesting as Westworld. You know, it's dealing with a kind of magic sort of universe, but it seems to me you have put about as much interest and thought into the universe as Westworld has. I mean, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale is something where, I don't know, maybe I could look up. Maybe they're, because they do stagger it. They put out the first three episodes, and now I guess week by week they're going to release an episode. Which, like, I don't know. I'm frustrated with. Netflix killed it, though. Netflix basically found the answer to the test and totally ruined the curve for everybody else in the class. Because they realized, oh, the way that people like watching our shit is that we get television shows and people are treating them like DVDs. Now, kids, back in the day, there was a thing called a DVD... And maybe there was a few of them, and you get them in a fun little box. And then the the initial way that you'd binge is you watch everything on the DVD. Like Lost. Lost was the first. Lost and Battlestar for me were the first times where it was like, oh, my God. People would just pass around their DVD copies because they're like, I want you to have this experience. This, like, watch all this show in one sitting experience. So, I mean, when it comes to Spielberg, like, look, that's stupid. To me, the initial idea of like, oh, you can only watch it at night. Only when it's spooky. Can you watch my show? Like, it seems stupid to me. I don't think it's good. But then again, I also have like, I thought House of Cards was one of those. It's like, man, it would have been great if it was week by week because we could have this like shared experience. But then I was watching Handmaid's Tale and I'm like, oh, get out of here. And as for good omens, uh, I mean, look, I like the show. I like everybody involved in the show. 
But like, man, man, does it have a capital W for whimsy. If you are not ready for two barrels of whimsy right between the eyes, then, you know, I don't know if maybe it's so, so omens. Radiohead, they are releasing uh, recording sessions that they did around the time that OK Computer came out because of a internet ransom. This from CNN. The British rock band Radiohead has announced the release of hours of unheard material from the mid-1990s in response to ransom demands from unnamed hackers. Last week, cyber attackers stole archive material held by lead singer Tom York and threatened to release it unless the band paid $150,000. According to a Facebook post from Radiohead, the recordings date from, quote, around the time of OK Computer, Radiohead's third album released in 1997. And I would say probably OK Computer was the time that, that Radiohead took the jump, right? They went from a band to a band that people followed around. And I think that was their legendary, their legendary big jump. You know, you had those big videos like Karma Police and stuff like that. That was, that was the big one. But now you got these, uh, these, these, these demos out here. Apparently they are going to cost you not very much, like uh, 23 bucks. It's only available for the next 18 days. It's on Bandcamp. The post, which is apparently uh, written by lead guitarist and keyboardist Johnny Greenwood, says this was never intended for public consumption, although some clips did reach the cassette of the OK Computer reissue. It's very, very long. Not a phone download. Rainy out, isn't it, though? All the money that is raised from this will go to Extinction Rebellion, a nonviolent civil disobedience to achieve radical change. <laughs> the subject line of their post is Walter Sobchak versus Bunny's Toe. Of course, a reference to the Big Lebowski. It's a, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like we undercover ransom stories. Like, online ransom stories could be their own blog, their own podcast, their own Instagram, right? Just stories of online. Like, we have never seen such a level of ransom situations with high-profile people, cities, hospitals, uh, legendary bands. Like, now there's just, a, and God knows how many that we don't see. How many times that people just pay to make it go away? I want more coverage, more ransom coverage, because now it just kind of gets lumped into tech, right? It's just like it, it's a cybersecurity thing. But that kind of takes away the, the, the humanity to it because it's all about the attack and not about, okay, well, why did these hackers believe that Radiohead would pay them $150,000? Radiohead is a very curated band. They are a very secretive band. They are a band that uh, uh, likes to cultivate a bit of an air of mystery around themselves. 
So things that are leaked are, are things that that take away from that. So, I mean, I feel like you could do a little story. You could do a little like, all right, well, how secretive is Radiohead? How much is $150,000 to them? And I'm sure their, their label might have paid for it or something like that. They're a, a massive act. They were from before the shattering of the mono culture, so people will be paying to go see Radiohead forever. As long as Radiohead, the tortured artists that they are, want to be out there. You know, at some point, you know, we're going to hear Karma Police or Paranoid Android in a Cialis commercial because, you know, everybody who was really into that album will have dead dicks. Like, they are that kind of band for their era. 150000 is a lot of money, though. Is there something in your life that you would pay $150,000 to keep quiet? That's an interesting question. How much money? In fact, here, let's take it the other way. How much money is just, uh, uh, whatever, I, I'll pay you. Is it? Like, even if it's low, is it $5, $10, $100, Your worst secret is about to be released. What is the line at which point you're like, fuck it, just get it out? Like, it is a personal goal for me. I want to keep that number as low as possible. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I have a tendency to overshare. And that's part of the reason. Like, I like to share your stories in our email segment. You can always email me, jurydaily at gmail.com. Again, jurydaily at gmail.com, just like Joey, a.k.a. Diamond Scoop, did. He says, is Brian Brushwood secretly your third brother? During the opening promo for payjurydaily.com with your nephew, your brother says, nailed it just like Brian. It's a little freaky. I got to get Brian to say nailed it. So we, 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 we will put them side by side and you guys can can tell the difference. I I don't know. I, I, I Maybe everybody eventually just starts to sound the same, but I, I've never really thought that Eric and I sounded to, uh, sounded alike. I heard somebody say that we sound excited alike. Like whenever we like get like whenever we get like, uh, uh, you know, that that excited timber to our voice that that sounds similar. And I could buy that because I would say that is probably a vocal tick we got from our family. We got growing up like it sounds like my mom or my uncles or my dad or my stepdad sounding excited, probably some amalgamation of all of them. Sounding of like, this is what sounding excited sounds like. But I don't know about Brian. I don't know. The sound alike stuff always gets me because there, you know, for a while, people thought that I sounded, I got often that I sounded like Charlie Day. Often. Now I don't get it so much anymore. But for a while, initially, I, I got this thing that I sounded like Charlie Day. And not just on the internet, like in, uh, in, in 
meat space, just hanging out at like a bar or something. People would say that it sounded like it. But I never really picked up on that. I never really got it. I don't know. Chris writes, uh, sometimes, Justin, sometimes the struggle is real. At first, the jade egg was a hope, a promise of something greater for myself. I'd become something special. After working up the courage, using the eggs for weeks on end, no powers. It was a painful acceptance in more ways than one. And by the time I'd realized I'd never be the immortal jade egg pocket protector of egg lun, and had in fact wasted my life in pursuit of things not mine to have. By that time, jury, the egg and I had become so codependent on each other that the egg would be there before I really even finished waking up. And every day, I would go through life a hollow husk of a man knowing my only true value was keeping the jade egg, um, hidden. The egg and I barely talk anymore. The egg moved into a small flat in Soho, and I hear it's living with a butthole yogurt guru or something. I'm, I'm getting by okay. I can look myself in the mirror. I don't talk about it with my friends, sure. Sure, they noticed the change, but I just blew it off as meth or coke or the shitty divorce. The support group won't even let me in anymore after the stories of my descended to full eggy depravity. That egg's needs are dark. What? Did Gwyneth Paltrow end up like me or something? Anyway, regarding Gwenny, she looks like she has a stinky sour milk breath and probably showers five times a month. If it helps, I never go near jade eggs anymore. You can email us, jurydaily at gmail.com. I want to thank our producers, Bill, Dustin, Bio, Cal, Robert H., Brian C., M., Trade the Melodica Man, Adam, Middle Age, Mike, and Harry Lee Smith. I want to thank P. Lizzle. He was the man in our Discord who gave us our jury story for today. You can join our Discord at bit.ly slash jury discord. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Justin R. Young. Email me, jurydaily at gmail.com. Until tomorrow, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, please give a round of applause to Mr. Wacky. But more importantly, please don't. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>